TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Meanwhile, the NFL is trying to get back on the field. They, too, have seen a few coronavirus cases popping up on their front step over the last week or so. So um, we've got that to talk about and also just some good transactional football as well with Dak Prescott, Jamal Adams, and joining me right now to talk about that. He covers the NFL for Around the NFL. It's part of NFL.com. Uh, Nick Shook joining me right now on CBS Sports Radio. Nick, it's good to have you on the show. How are you tonight? Excellent, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you, man. So let's start with Dak here. Dak Prescott looks like he's going to sign his tender in the next 24 hours or so. How do you read this, the smoke signals on this thing, Nick? Is the fact that he's signing this tender, we're not up against any sort of deadline or anything. It's not like guys are coming to camp imminently or anything like that. Is this a sign that maybe these two sides are getting a little closer on something, or am I reading a little too much into it? I think I think it might be a little bit of a hedging um, against not getting something done long term. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of always knew when they placed the franchise tag on him that they would have that security as long as he had signed it. It might be one of a, uh, a an action taken on Dak's part or Dak's representation representation side to say, "Hey, look, like we want this long term deal to get done, but at the same time, we understand." you know, uh, how far apart we might want to be. And we don't want you to think that we don't want to be part of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and I also think, you know, there's benefits in this for Dak because he's got the security of A, making the franchise tag money for a year and also having a chance to go prove it. Now, of course, there's the inherent risk of playing on a one-year deal, you know, with no security whatsoever. But in the meantime, it's better than not having that sign, getting up against the deadline and dealing with further bad press and, and everything that comes with that. So I think it's kind of a, on the part of Dak's side saying, hey, look, we want to be part of the Cowboys, you know, for many years to come, even if we haven't yet come to a terms on an agreement. Let's at least sign this so that we know we'll be together this year if we can't figure something out right away. Yeah, you, you know, the, the franchise tender is an interesting thing, Nick, because, look, I live in Houston, so we lived through the clowny thing last year, um, you know, and all the, the, the trade rumors. It ultimately led to him being traded to Seattle right before the start of the season. And it is something that kind of looms over a team, or at least, especially when the coach is also the general manager, it's something they get asked about in training camp and things like that. Uh, with Dak, is it different? Because it's a quarterback. Is it something where if, I, I feel like if, that if Dak were to take his franchise tender rights that he would have not signing it, to, that would be to stay away from the Cowboys with no penalty, that the position he plays, the impact would be greater if he were to do that than, say, a defensive end like Jadeveon Clowney. Yeah, because you know, there's no position I think that's more important in any sport than quarterback. You know, if you don't have a good quarterback, you don't have much of a chance to win the NFL. And I think we've seen that proven over and over again, especially I think in the last 15 to 20 years. So it would make a monumental impact 
um, you can replace a defensive end. You know, you can you can put a guy in who might do a, a decent job, at least a replacement level job, and and it might not be a strength of your defense, but it won't necessarily be a void if you've prepared accordingly. Whereas if you put a backup quarterback in, you're you're looking at at a tough situation. I mean, we saw what happened to the Detroit Lions last year. Were they not a good football team? Yeah, but they were much worse without Matt Stafford on the field. So. And they kind of went through the whole David Blau and, and, and that sort of thing. And you don't want the Cowboys, who are one of your you know your trademark franchises in the NFL, with a quarterback on the roster who should be able to lead them to the playoffs and should have done it last year if they'd have really gotten their act together. Uh, you don't want them suddenly dealing with a backup quarterback situation. Now, they got Andy Dalton on the roster, which is great for them. You know, nice security yeah. in case he gets hurt. But that's not a viable option long term. So, yeah, I think it makes a much more significant impact if you don't have your quarterback who's franchise tagged in camp as opposed to another position. Nick Shook around the NFL joining me on CBS Sports Radio. So I would imagine that here in Houston and up in Kansas City, they're watching this whole thing very, very closely with Dak and the Cowboys with both teams, I think, looking to get some sort of deal done with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, respectively. How do you see the trickle-down effect from this going on, whether Dak gets a deal done before July 15th or not, one way or the other? How, how do you see this thing maybe trickling down to those teams and how this whole contract scenario plays out this offseason with those young quarterbacks? You know, I think if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, um, it would probably be easier to say that that, that might affect how much money they're going to get because we all know Dak's deal is going to reset the market, right? Yeah. But it's smart for the Cowboys to get that deal done before Mahomes gets his deal done because that's going to really reset the market. And I think that's going to affect these other deals more than anything. Uh, because it sets a new standard, and, and then you just kind of go accordingly how you value your quarterback and how you know the team and the representation can come to an agreement on a deal. But that would be without a pandemic. With a pandemic, you know you have a little bit more financial uncertainty when it comes to whether we can have fans in the stands, ticket sales, that sort of thing, viability of a season starting on time. We are obviously planning for all of that to start on time, but we also know that it is still a fluid situation. So it's a little bit harder to project um, a year or two from now but it will have some impact. I think that Pat Mahomes will have more of an impact than anything um, on the quarterback market for years to come. If Pat Mahomes, let's let's say it's Pat and Deshaun, I think are the two really interesting ones because they were taking two picks apart. Mahomes, obviously more accomplished at the NFL level than, than Deshaun. He's got an MVP and a Super Bowl, but I think Deshaun Watson's generally viewed as one of the top six or seven quarterbacks in the game. What if Mahomes goes first and he signs? How interesting does that get? Because I think it's easy if Deshaun signs first and Mahomes leapfrogs him, and I don't think anybody blinks an eye about it. But we know that the highest-paid quarterback isn't always the best or most accomplished quarterback. It's just the latest good quarterback to get a deal. Do you think that Mahomes setting the market, do you, what, if Deshaun Watson, is there a possibility that he tries to leapfrog Patrick Mahomes? And if so, how do you think the Texans would react to that? Yeah, because there was a time where Matt Ryan had the most expensive contract. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he was setting the market for a little bit as well, and nobody's going to say that he's the best quarterback in the league, so you're absolutely right about that. I think that sets up a really interesting situation because it speaks to how teams really value these guys. You know, everybody knows Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's got the resume, right? He's got the league MVP in his second season. He won a Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP in his third season. You can't get much better than that at this point in your career. So you can't really, as a a Deshaun Watson or – even as a Dak Prescott, go into that negotiation room, sit down at the table and go, I deserve as much or more than Patrick Mahomes. So it could create a bit of a ceiling for us for a little bit. Um, you also have to consider you know, each individual team's financial positioning and um, whether they're you know, poised. I mean, when you have a franchise quarterback, you're obviously poised to win now, but some teams are closer than others. So um, a lot of different factors go into that. But I think it could create a little bit of a, of a, a maximum, and you might see those guys fall under it instead of resetting the market. 
which would really be um, very uh, against what I think the union would like, but it might end up being our reality. Yeah. Well, and then there's Lamar Jackson, who's going to be coming up the following year. He might be the most intriguing one of all because of all the, the quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks we're talking about, Nick. I think that he's got the biggest question as to how his style of play is going to hold up over the long term, right? Yeah, that and, you know, you have to think the Ravens were obviously smart in taking him, but also smart in taking him at 32 because mm-hmm. they get that fifth-year option, right? You know, they got yeah. one extra year to kind of keep him on the roster and figure things out and let the market dictate itself and also allow his style of play to prove worth re-upping in a long-term deal, which you're right. You know, he does take a lot of hits. He ran the ball a lot, you know, at the quarterback position last year, set the single-season rushing record for a quarterback, and um, and over time you wonder is that – going to allow him to play 10 15 years like a lot of these other guys are is he's going to have a shorter career you know time will tell and you hope that obviously he stays healthy but it is kind of a benefit that they do have that extra year um but i think that we're lucky that we don't have to see that get done first that we get to see these other contracts get done first too because once you get to him on that point of the the salary scale then it becomes an argument because we don't really know i mean he could be completely healthy and exactly where he is now and then he's totally worth the money right yeah. He has two or three more years like he did this year, then he's totally worth the money. But we don't know that. You know, That's a big question mark. So while I think he's fully capable of it, there are a lot of other factors involved, and, uh, and it'll totally be very interesting for sure. It's definitely very non-traditional uh, when it comes to how we've dealt with these quarterback signings in the last few years. Nick Shook around the NFL joining me on CBS Sports Radio. One more from a contractual, transactional standpoint, Nick, and that's uh, Jamal Adams asking for a trade from the New York Jets. So we'll, we'll wait and see if they actually acquiesce and trade him. We know where his, his desired destinations are. Uh, you know, there were seven teams that, that were tweeted out, I think, by Adam Schefter as to who, uh, where Jamal Adams might want to go. Here's my question is we've seen this new trend in the NFL where marquee players, for whatever reason, have been traded for multiple high draft picks. Khalil Mack, Odell Beckham, Laramie Tunsil, Jalen Ramsey. The last two went for two first-round picks. Is Jamal Adams in that class of player, particularly playing the safety position? Well, you know who else should be on that list is DeAndre Hopkins. But yeah, yeah. Conversation. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I I think he's worth at least one. Um, I mean, he's been to the Pro Bowl. He's demonstrated that he is a, a franchise caliber player. Now, people argue about the value of the safety position. I think if you have a safety, you can come down and make an impact in the box as well as play coverage and has the range to get from the opposite hash to the sideline to break up a pass or intercept the ball, um, I think he's worth that. I mean, he reinforces the back end of your defense and, and creates somebody that your quarterback always has to keep an eye on, the, the opposing quarterback that is, always has to keep an eye on or is always trying to throw away from. And that affects, that impacts the way an offense can approach a game. We, we saw the same effects of guys like Ed Reed in the past, and, um, and, and they were worth the money. So, yeah, I think he would be worth a first-round pick. I don't know about two first-round picks. It depends, I think, on what your philosophy is and who's pursuing him. The Jets don't have a lot of leverage at this point, so I don't think they fetch two first-round picks. But I think he's worth at least one, no doubt. Yeah, so the teams, the teams that, that he's reportedly interested in, uh, Ravens, Chiefs, Texans, and then over in the NFC, Seahawks, 49ers, Eagles, and Cowboys. I, obviously, the one common characteristic with all those teams is they're all playoff caliber, if not actual playoff teams from last year. They all have good young quarterbacks. So you can kind of see him working as far as what he's looking for in a team. Is there a particular one of those teams that you thought this one makes the best fit as a trade partner and as a fit for Adams schematically? I mean, we've heard about the whole Cowboys situation for mm-hmm. a long time, right? They've been in, in the market for a safety. You know, Earl Thomas was a name that used to get floated out there. We remember him telling them to come get him. 
which never happened. Um, so, you know, that's probably the best fit. That's the one that makes the storybook and everything else. But, um, you know, if he kept him in New York, his dad once played for the Giants, and that's not necessarily a team that he listed, but for the storybook, if you're going for the narrative, that would be a nice little uh, little narrative. But I think the Cowboys are probably the best fit. It's funny, though, because he did pick all the, all the teams that are basically – have to win the next few years and it's almost like a given like every every player who wants to get traded doesn't want to get traded to a terrible team so of course he's going to list those as his preferences but whether that actually happens you know remains to be seen it's it's never that easy now is it no no it never is uh nick shook around the nfl joining me on cbs sports radio all right nick so the other big story in the nfl we've got players with coronavirus that are getting tested here two here in houston two with the cowboys including Ezekiel Elliott that we found out about last week. Buccaneers had a couple of guys. Kareem Jackson with the Broncos. I think this is going to be something that as guys start to show up to the facility, there are going to be guys who either have the antibodies because they've had it asymptomatically, or there's going to be guys showing up with minimal or no symptoms that have this thing. What's the impact of all this, do you think, in terms of the positive cases that are getting reported in the news in terms of getting the sport back on the field come September? You know, I think it's, like I kind of said before, it's a fluid situation in that the the public view of it matters. I mean, you kind of hate to say it because obviously you want player safety and player health to be number one in, in the league's view, but public opinion of it and how they view it and how they go about their daily lives and whether a test scares them, you know, a positive test scares them as much, um, I think will have something to do with it because, you know, I, I kind of talked about this on, on uh, the radio in Cleveland on Friday, and, um, you know, basically – I'm going to make the same point now, which is if you think that people are going to come play in the NFL this season and not get get the coronavirus, you're you know you're unrealistic. I mean, it's you can take all the necessary precaution, uh, you know, limiting contact, social distancing, spacing out, you know, creating twice the size of a locker room to keep guys away from each other, touchless doors, all that stuff. But they're still going to be in contact for two, three hours a day on the football field. And yeah, you can try to to you know minimize the amount of guys who are going to hit the field or try to get it down to zero. Uh, who have the, the coronavirus at the time by testing before practice and that sort of situation. But unless you're testing every day, there's still going to be room for that to happen as well. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's unfair. It's like 100% efficiency, right? It's not possible. I don't know, I'm not going to say that it's not possible, but I think it's very unrealistic to expect nobody to get to camp and get through camp and not get it. So we have to expect that that's going to happen to a certain degree. And you hope, of course, that nobody develops any serious symptoms. And, again, you take as many – steps as possible um, to, to avoid and contain or limit the spread, uh, try to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. But if we're going to play football, you know, it's a contact sport. You're not going to be able to distance entirely. So a little bit of both, I think, is involved here. Yeah, a contact sport with spit flying down in the trenches right, right. down there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's crazy. It's going to be very, a very interesting few months leading up to the NFL season for sure. You can get him on Twitter at the Nick Shook. And, of course, part of the uh, Around the NFL crew over there, NFL.com. You can find that podcast, the whole nine yards. Uh, Nick, we really appreciate the time, man. Thanks for uh, doing that on a uh, Father's Day Sunday. Thank you. Yeah, definitely, Sean. Thanks for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 